We're going to be returning tonight to Psalm 37, and uh, just a short series of messages that I began last uh, Sunday night uh, called When Believers Get Bothered, When Believers uh, Get Bothered. And Psalm 37 and 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. May God bless the reading of his word tonight. It's my prayer. You know, I'll remind you tonight that this psalm began with the instruction, do not fret. Do not fret. And in fact, it's repeated three times in the first several verses of the chapter or of the psalm. Do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret. God says something once. It's uh, uh, worthy of our respect and notice. But when he repeats himself, uh, obviously he does that for our benefit. And he knows this is something that we all struggle with. I appreciated all the feedback I've had since last uh, uh, Sunday night's message. Many of you have remarked about it. Some have given encouragement. I appreciate that always uh, to know that uh, uh, what we all know, and that is that the Word of God is powerful and it has an amazing way of bringing to us exactly what we need. Uh, but we all have things that cause us from time to time to fret. Uh, the word itself means to burn. That's the root word that's used here in this passage. And it was used metaphorically, pictorially then, to describe the things that happen when they cause us to burn. That is, uh, things that bother us, things that upset us, uh, things that worry us, things that cause us anxiety and fear and frustration. And yes, even anger is mentioned in the passage. Uh, we all know tonight that we live in a hurried and harried culture. Uh, there's something in our nature that causes us to want to go faster if we're not sure about where we are. If we take a wrong turn, we lose our way. It's a natural inclination on our part uh, to want to go faster. And we're not sure about where we're going or what needs to be done about something. I don't know what it is between our heart and our right foot, but there is some connection there that wants us to hit the accelerator, not only in our vehicle, but in life as well. And if we're not sure where we're going, even when we're pretty sure that we're going the wrong way, if we're trying to go faster, the only thing that I can guarantee you is that we are going to get further probably from where we need to be and we're going to get more tired and exhausted along the way. Oh, I, I just hate it when I go the wrong way. I was coming back from the Gulf Coast one time, got to Jackson, Mississippi, and if you've ever been through Jackson, you know there's a place where there's a turn and you can go 55 south or you can go straight and go on on I-20. And I was talking on the phone, talking to a fella, and we was just cruising along, and I just went 55 south. I think it's 55, maybe 59, maybe 50. I don't know. Whatever it is, it goes down to New Orleans. <clears throat> and I just was moving along and making an excellent time, I thought. And about the time I began to realize, you know, I wonder why I hadn't got to Vicksburg yet. I noticed that uh, there was a sign there that said New Orleans. 
actually pulled off to see and I contacted my, my advisor, the GPS unit, and uh, surely there's got to be a better way to get back uh, to Vicksburg. Surely there is. You know, somewhere I can cut through maybe and... You know what it did? It routed me right back through Jackson, Mississippi. I had to go exactly back the way that I'd come. And it took just as long. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I was so aggravated with myself. And there was nobody to blame but myself. That's uh, one of those times. Um, when we were out of our location, when we are not sure about our destination when we're pretty sure even that we're headed in the wrong direction. It's aggravating. It costs us valuable time and energy when we've gone a long way the wrong way. That happens to us in the spiritual world more than we'd like to admit. It uh, seems to be a lot quicker journey away from the Lord than it is to coming back. Drawing closer to him somehow seems very tenuous. Going away from him seems much faster. And these things combine in our life, I think many times, to cause this very situation that we're talking about in the psalmist when God tells us, don't fret, don't fret. Uh, because, you see, if we're concentrating our attention on one thing, if we're thinking about that phone call, if we're uh, talking about that, thinking in our mind about this thing or that thing or the other, we can drift a long way away from where we need to be because our concentration is here. It just adds to our frustration. The psalmist talks about these things because as believers, I think there are some things that bother us that necessarily don't bother other people. Things that uh, we struggle with that other people may not struggle with. Uh, just the very fact that we believe in God and we trust in the all-powerful God who knows everything sometimes causes us to wonder why it is that uh, he doesn't seem to be fixing things in the way that we would like him to or as quickly as we'd like him to. Sometimes we struggle because our understanding of God and His priorities and His character uh, is very, very limited. But regardless of where it comes from, there are a lot of things in life that we allow to bother us. That we get really, really bothered to distraction about. Most of the time it ends up being the things that we have very little control over. I mean, if we could fix them, we would. We can't. And we can't just turn away from him. And so they bother us. I'm glad that when God told us, do not fret, he didn't just stop there. He gave us some alternatives. And in fact, if we'll read down through the passage, there are at least four, depending on how you divide it, maybe five alternative things to do besides fretting. And he, he said in, in verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. 
Fretfulness doesn't help anything and in actuality makes the situation worse. So it's no wonder that God then wants us to do something else. And we get the privilege tonight of looking at that first something else. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, he says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That concept of trusting in the Lord is presented often in Scripture. Proverbs 3 and 5 is probably the classic. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And so where trust to us is something that's fixed, it means that we have confidence in someone. It means we believe what they say. Uh, and even that can be hard <laughs> when somebody says, just trust me. Oh, that's tough for us. Uh, we immediately have our red flags going off and we're warning ourselves. Something's not right here. Um, but the biblical meaning of trust, it goes deeper. And, and here Proverbs 3, 5 gives us a good indication of that because trust in their way of thinking had to do with leaning on something, to put your weight on something. And uh, in that sense, we, we know what that's like. If we're going to lean on something, uh, if we're going to put our weight to it, if we're going to sit in a chair, if we're going to lean up against something, we, we have that confidence in that it's going to hold us up. We're not just standing, as we say, on our own two feet. We're leaning. Trust in the Lord means then to lean on Him. And what we don't do then is rely on our own understanding. God is trustworthy. Our understanding, maybe not. Our understanding may very well let us fall flat on the floor. But God, God is worth leaning on, trusting in Him. Psalm 55 and verse 22, another classic passage. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Simon Peter, uh, drawing on that same imagery, said in 1 Peter 5 and 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The word cast means so, simply to throw. Let me tell you something about casting. Something you want. If you're going to throw something, you can't hold on to it. <laughs> I've still got it. <laughs> I didn't throw it. I know that that is massively deep biblical interpretation right there. Okay, you can't, <laughs> you can't throw something and hang on to it at the same time. But God makes things simple for us sometimes because simple helps us a lot. What's he wanting us to cast on him? Our burdens, the things that are bothering us, the things that are troubling us, the things that are disturbing us. God is sitting up there with his cosmic-sized catcher's mitt saying, throw it. <laughs> Come on, throw it. Let me have it. And I've grown pretty fond of it. The whole idea of trusting God with something then is I'm going to let go of it and let God have it means then that we are willing to relinquish control of these things or whatever control we might think we have and trust God with it. So trusting is like leaning 
And trusting biblically is also like throwing, releasing. Here's another great passage, Isaiah 46 and verse 1. Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols were on the beast and on the cattle. Your carriages were heavily loaded, a burden to the weary beast. They stooped, they bowed down together. They could not deliver the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld to me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. And even to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry and deliver you. God speaks of the false gods that had plagued Israel in their idolatry for so long, Baal and Nebo. But God pictures them as bowed down, bowed down, and stooped. And what he is describing is idols that are so bowed down and so stooped down, he said, that they can't move. And it was a very ironic thing that God describes because here they were in captivity and when they went into captivity, they carried their gods with them. They loaded down their carts with their idols. <laughs> Why didn't their idols go on their own? What kind of God is it that you have to carry around? By God contrasting, God says, I'm the one that made you. No wonder he says, listen to me. Listen. I'm the one that made you. And I am carrying you. And not only have I been carrying you all along, but he says, I'm going to continue to carry you even until you are gray-headed, when you're old throughout all of your life, I will carry you and I will deliver you. What an incredible principle. There they were going into captivity, carrying their gods along with them. But God says, I will carry you. You see, these false gods were the gods of their own invention. Uh, they thought that these gods that they had invented could deliver them from their burdens, but they could not. And in fact, these gods that they had invented that they thought would deliver them from their burdens were actually only adding to their burden. Meanwhile, there was a living Lord God of Israel who said, I'll carry you and I will deliver you. I'll take the weight off of you. You've been carrying this. I'll take the weight off of you. I will deliver you. I'll carry you. I'll carry your burdens. I'll take care of you. All around us today are all of the things that, that people present and, and, and men have dreamed up that they think are going to help us with our burdens. Positive thinking, 
good attitude, education. We'll educate you out of it. Uh, we'll get you strong enough. We'll counsel you enough. We'll give you enough information. And, and then sooner or later, you'll get all this stuff. And, and finally, you'll be delivered. No, all this information, all these alternative plans that people are coming up with, they only add to our burdens. They can't take them away. I mean, but, 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 that, but that lady on, on the book cover, man, uh, she just looks so good. She's so happy. It worked for her. <laughs> Why did it work for me? What's wrong with me? There are 5,949 testimonials over there of all the people that it helped. What's wrong with me? You see, a lot of the things we turn to to help us actually end up only adding to our burden. Meanwhile, God's saying, trust me. Listen, listen. Trust me. I'm the one who can deliver you from your burdens. But it all comes down to trusting him. So I'm going to give you three quick things about trusting God. Number one, trusting God only comes through on-the-job training, OJT. Uh, you're not going to learn about that by, by listening to lessons. I, I wish we could learn about it by listening to sermons. But the fact is, we learn about trusting God by trusting God. Now, we can, we can get the information down. We can learn the ABCs of it. We can learn about how trust is like leaning. And we can learn about how trust is like throwing. But the fact is, until you lean on God, you don't know what it's like to lean on God. And until you cast all your burden on Him, you don't know what it's like to throw it and turn it loose and let God have it. We only do it by doing it. It's like bricklaying. You can only learn it by laying bricks. And uh, that wouldn't work for me because I could never get that stuff to stay on the brick. I mean, that bricklayer is something mysterious about it. Picks up that mud, the trowel, hits it twice, boom, boom, and there it stays there. I mean, a hurricane can blow that stuff off of there. I pick up the trowel, get the mud. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Get the mud, hit it with a boom, boom, it falls down on the ground. I never could get the stuff to stick to it. I don't know. It's a mystery to me. I can never be a bricklayer. Now, I can stick some bricks up there and pour concrete over them and make that's about the only way it works for me. Um, some things you only learn by doing it. Trusting God is one of those. Something about fallen humanity makes trusting God a last resort. We only trust God when we have to. Something about us, as long as there's some other place that we can turn down, some other thing we can run to, something else we can try, one more book to read, one more trick up our sleeve, one more way that we can work harder or smarter or go faster or further, we'll try it. We treat faith like a last resort. And that's okay. Because if there's something about fallen humanity that makes us Treat faith like a last resort so we'll only trust God with something if we have to. I say it's okay because God's going to see to it that we have to. God sees to it that we have to. classic biblical example of this is found when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and facing the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them. And God gave them some specific instructions at that moment in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, 
which he will accomplish you for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now that was the great leader Moses commands to the people. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. <laughs> A couple of good things for him to do. Stand still and be quiet. Hold your peace. Stand still and stop talking. Then what did God say? Well, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to do what? Go forward. Go forward. Well, God, there's an ocean in front of us. If we go forward... They couldn't go backward. There was an Egyptian army behind them. That was what they considered to be their greatest threat. But in fact, their greatest threat was what God was going to use to see to it that they did the one thing that they had to do, and that is to go forward. It took a great amount of faith and trust for them to go forward. And the Bible says that God made the sea into dry land before them. Even then, I'm not 100% sure that they would have gone down through that uh, wall of water that God had on one side and the other side and dry land in between. must have been a scary kind of thing. Not sure they would have gone if it hadn't been for the Egyptian army behind them. You see, God has a way of seeing to it that we have to trust Him. But we really don't have any other choice. And so he tells them to trust in the Lord. And then comes the second part of that command. And do good. Dwell in the land and feast on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord. Now there are some things that we're going to have to cast on the Lord. And the time comes when we have no strength. And we must lean on the Lord. The time comes when we don't have any more resources. And, and we can't fight this battle anymore. And I can't deal with it anymore. And God, I'm going to have to trust you with this. Because I can't handle it. These situations develop in our lives. Sometimes they may be financial. Sometimes they're relational. Sometimes they're very personal. Sometimes they're occupational. Sometimes they're sinful. But there comes a time when we have to say to God, God, I can't do this. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust you with this. But that's not then all that the story gives to us. Trust in the Lord, he says, and do good. Now listen to me tonight, brothers and sisters. This is something, again, is, is, uh, there, there's nothing else really that we can do until we trust God, except trust God. When we're needing to trust God with something, then that's what has to be done. And until we do that, we've basically got two choices. I can keep fretting. Or I can trust God. But once we trust God, that opens up a world of possibilities. Trust God and do good. What's that mean? It means that we get on doing all the things that we hadn't been doing because we've been so burdened down and, and bothered and, 
and busy fretting over this thing that we just couldn't bring ourselves to deal with all of these things that need to be done. Now we can trust God and mow the grass. Trust God. Pay the bills. Trust God. Cook a good meal and eat it. Trust God, my favorite. Take a nap. Trust God. Get some rest. Trust God. Take a walk. Trust God. Go visit a buddy. Spend some time with your family or friends. Trust God. Pick up one of your grandkids and rock them for a while. Trust God. And do good. Get back to enjoying life again. Because this thing that has bowed me over that I've been trying to carry that I couldn't carry. Trying to fix with everything that wouldn't fix it. Now I've trusted God. He connects that then, then with, with dwelling in the land and feeding on God's faithfulness. For the Jew, the land had great significance because it was a place where God had promised that he would be with them and that he would bless them. Feeding on his faithfulness. They dwelled in the land. Elimelech and Naomi went to Joab. Jonah went to Tarshish. The prodigal son went to the far country. Bad things happen to people when they didn't dwell in the land. <clears throat> Sometimes we think that getting far away from God and far away from His people is what we need. It's not. Stay home. Stay put. Stay around the people that love you and that you know. Uh, stay close to your church family. All these that dwell in the land and feed, feast on His faithfulness. How do you do that? How do you feed on the faithfulness of God? I've told you before that I really don't like English peas. I don't. I don't like them. There's only one way that I like English peas, and that's in chicken pot pie. And I, I can eat them along with all the rest of the stuff, I, although there have been times maybe when I've kind of eaten around them and left them in the bottom of my bowl. I don't particularly like English peas. I, I don't like them. I don't like them. Some of you love them. I'm fine with that. But there's been some times where I've gone to people's houses to eat supper and they've asked me over and eat my family over. and we, are, we have a simple rule when we do that. We eat what's put in front of us and uh, we don't ask any questions for conscience sake. I tell you, we just, uh, we, we eat. How do, you, how do you eat English peas? The same way you eat mashed potatoes and gravy. Same way you eat biscuits and sausage. Same way you eat hamburgers. Same way you eat macaroni and cheese. You put it out and put it in your mouth and swallow it. Sometimes a little ketchup helps. It does. It just. You know what I'm talking about? Folks, sometimes we're going to have to feed ourselves on the faithfulness of God. You know how we do that? We speak it to our heart. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God has been faithful to me. Oh, Lord, thou hast been faithful unto me throughout all of our generations. Oh, God, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God, you're faithful. 
you're trustworthy. Because even though we've leaned on God and even though we've thrown Him our burdens, we still have to feed on His faithfulness. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. Our heart will rise up with fear and trembling once again. We've been so busy fretting it's hard to stop. And we'll want to keep doing it. And so we trust in the Lord. That's the first thing we have to do. We've got to trust Him. And we trust in the Lord and do good. Just get busy. A lot of good things out there to do that we haven't been doing because we've been fretting. Dwell in the land. Stay around God's people. And feed on God's faithfulness. God is faithful. I know this isn't a quick fix tonight. Something you have in your life that's bothering you, burdening you, something that is causing you to fret and to worry. You've been fretting on it for a long, long time, maybe for years. Stopping's not easy. I know that. I know it because I live it. And I'm living it right now. We trust in the Lord and do good. We dwell in the land and we feed our hearts the faithfulness of God. He's trustworthy and He can do what we can't do. Maybe tonight uh, you're fretting because. You don't have Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe you've got some special decision that you need to make. Thank God for the abbots who came this morning professing their faith in Christ and wanting to follow the Lord in baptism. We so rejoice in that. Uh, but maybe there's others here who need to make that same decision. Maybe you've been saved, but you haven't followed the Lord in baptism. Maybe God is leading you to be a part of our church family. Maybe there's something you've been wrestling with that you just want to bring to the Lord. Confess to him, Lord, I've had this loaded on my wagon long enough. And it's time for me to let you carry it. I don't know what's on your heart. Brother Bill's going to come and lead us in a time of invitation. Let's stand together.